This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by Bob Keipel. Today, we're extremely happy um, to welcome Austin Brock to the show. Uh, Austin is a CX training manager for Altus USA, which we're going to learn a little bit more about. Um, Austin recently joined Altus USA after many, many years, 25 years at Disney, including 13 years at the Disney Institute. Austin is an expert in developing and delivering the best training practice to move organizational mindsets and improve um, culture overall in terms of a customer-driven mindset. So, awesome. Welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you. That was quite, a, that was quite an opening. Well, you are an impressive person, and we're glad to have you with us, Austin. I don't know about that, but we'll see what happens, right? (laughs) Well, let's dive in, because Altus USA, that's a company I've never heard of, to be honest with you, before this. So what's the company all about, and can you just tell us about your role and mission over there? Sure. You probably, or it's possible you actually have heard of them. You may just have not heard the name Altus USA. Altus. You may have heard Altus. You may have heard no, you may have heard Optimum. You may have heard Suddenlink. So um, Altis USA is a telecommunications company. So Wi-Fi, mobile, cable, um, all of those things that have become extremely essential to your life in the past year and essential to making sure that uh, students can learn from home and that we can stay connected to the people that we love around the around the globe. So it's, uh, it's my role. Um, to work as a training manager under care and retention. So care and retention kind of two directions. So it's care and retention of the employees as well as the customers. And uh, primarily uh, I design and develop training with my team uh, for a group of um, almost 6,000 agents that are located around the globe. So that's really what makes the job so much fun is engaging a whole group of people in Cairo, Egypt, or in the Dominican Republic, or even here in exotic places like Tyler, Texas, which I guess are exotic now, given the weather that's been happening. (laughs) Uh, But it's, you know, it's really our mission. We want to make sure that our customers have an amazing experience with us, that they always have the products that they need when they need them. And that when something happens and they need somebody's help, that someone, that whoever they call can be compassionate and empathetic and to help them uh, with their issues. And, and what, what makes it, I think, interesting for me is it's a um, completely different kind of business than Disney. This is definitely not the hospitality business. You know, nobody's coming to stay in a hotel or visiting a theme park. But Altice USA takes you anywhere you might ever want to go. 
but they just do it in a different way. They do it through your television. They do it through your mobile phone. So this is like a high-tech scientific kind of world that you're in, right? This company. So are they, you know, I mean, are they less people oriented or are their customers more like, is it more B2B? Like, is that difference for you too? Uh, it's a good question. B2C and B2B both. You'll find both in the organization. I have actually found that for an organization that's highly technical, as they are, m- many, many more engineers that I might interface with on a daily basis than I ever would have at Disney, uh, that they are some of the kindest, nicest people that I've ever met. Mm. And, and, and every meeting you attend is such a strong focus on making sure that our employees have every tool that they need, every training that they need in order to do things easily and do things well. Um, because it's, it, you know, it's amazing to me. I'll look at like a new software that's going to come out or um, at an outage board or, and it's extremely sophisticated. So to be able to take those kind of very sophisticated tools and create training that makes it easy and makes it usable and makes uh, our agents feel really confident and comfortable is, um, is a lot of fun. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That must be quite a challenge, particularly given today's environment where you have to do a lot of this online where maybe you would have done it in person before. It, it is, and it, and it becomes uh, a different sort of organization when you think about things. Because the service is happening, the product and services are happening in America, but a lot of the service to the customers is happening uh, in another country. So what becomes really difficult then is then how do you help the other country understand the significance of what's happening in America? And the best example I can give you of training that we just pushed out was for the Super Bowl. So if you live in Cairo you don't know what the Super Bowl is and you don't understand that a home team has never played in their home stadium. And mm. you don't say the words Tom Brady in, the, in a sentence yeah. ever, yeah. probably. Uh, so we had so much fun creating oh. really engaging training that would help people understand. Someone calls you on that day and their cable is out. This is why that they're so passionate about it. This is why they might break <laughs> their voice with you. This is why... Yeah. You know, and to and to help people understand, have, getting to compare it to things like the World Cup. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I think you, if you substitute World Cup for Super yeah. Bowl, pretty much everybody else in the world will get it. We'll go, now, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now, Austin, uh, someone brought in to specifically to help drive organizational change. What advice can you give our listeners? What What is your approach? Um, walk softly. I think um, I like to spend a lot of time listening and you be, you have to become, you know, sort of a professor of human beings. You have to listen, you have to figure them out. You have to understand what makes everybody tick. Uh, and only then can you influence, you know, you can't influence someone if you don't understand them. So for me, it's been, you know, walk softly, you know, come in and, and make mis- you're going to make mistakes and know that you're going to make mistakes. It's a new industry for me. I can't tell you how many times I've said the words, I'm sorry, you know, or pardon me. Um, but you listen, you listen, you take notes. I can't tell you how many pages of notes my leader actually makes comments. She's like, you write everything, don't you? <laughs> yes, I write everything down because it's only then writing everything down, I'll go back and read notes from meetings and try and put the pieces together of how are these human beings functioning? 
If I understand how the humans I work with function, then all you have to do is sort of kick into the things you've learned about human performance improvement, and you sort of walk into it that way. Um, but you have to be able to add value from day one. You know, you, you have to be able to showcase to people the why behind why you want to do something. If you can walk into a meeting and say, this is not a good idea, and I'm going to tell you why it's not a good idea. It damages culture in this way. It could damage OSAT scores in this way. It's, it's more high risk than it is high yield. And, and if you can bring those sorts of things to the table, particularly to an organization that is um, highly metrics driven, which I think all organizations are now, I don't think anybody is not looking at the numbers. I think even organizations that would tell you that it's all culture, that's not actually true. They're looking, they're, they're measuring everything. Mm -hmm. Disney mm -hmm. measured everything, you mm -hmm. know, so they're, they're looking at numbers. And if you can come in and give them real intelligent reasons to say, this is why I think that there's another approach. Um, but I think you have to walk soft. I don't think you can walk into an organization and say, Hey, I was brought here to change things. And by God, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, and everyone's a nail and you're a hammer. You know, yeah, yeah and uh, just to be clear, like you're not necessarily talking about Altice. You're talking, you know, you're oh, drawing from general. all your experience in right. general from other companies too. Absolutely, I was a consultant for 13 years, and for mm -hmm. 13 years, you know, a consultant is brought in to change things. That's the sole reason why you hire someone that's a consultant. But we knew, even as consultants, if we walked into an organization and said, "Hey, your leaders hired us to change things," well, we wouldn't get anywhere. Mm -hmm. But if we walked in and we said, we want to learn with you, we want to grow with you, we're not going to hand you a deck like a lot of other consultancies mm -hmm. would and say, here, go do the things on this mm -hmm. deck. We're going to walk hand in hand with you down the road. We're going to help you along the way. We're going to coach you along the way. Then you had people that automatically, they trusted you. They understood that they might fall and you might fall too. But you know what? We were going to fall together and we were going to get up together. And mm -hmm. we're going to keep going down the road. So, yeah, it hasn't, you know, in the past, gosh, really 15 years, um, I've spent more time sitting in front of leaders trying to help them understand why it's okay to be vulnerable. Yep. And so so let's go, go down this path a little bit more because mm -hmm. we we're talking about being a professor of, you know, human behavior here. That's really <laughs> important. Um, can you talk about the people side of things? Like, how do you identify those uh, sympathetic to the cause and how do you leverage them and then you know if you want to go into to it a little bit further how do you identify people that would be good for your team those are mm -hmm. kind of two different questions sympathetic to the cause you can always tell because they'll ask a lot of questions they lean in literally they lean in and they ask just a ton of questions it's the person that will say hey do you time do you have time for coffee do you, have time, do you have lunch? Do you ever stop and have lunch? Because I'd love to. You hear those words a lot. Hey, I'd love to. And it's scheduled time with you. Or I'd love to have 30 minutes. Or I'd love to know more about this. Or So anybody that leans into the conversation, you immediately wanted to schedule time with that person. And you, and you wanted to have that conversation. Um, how do I pick people that are good for my team? I, I pick people that are um, um, human. I pick people that aren't afraid to say, I've made mistakes and here's a mistake I've made and here's what I learned from it. You know, I, I like picking people that have strengths and weaknesses and they're not afraid of either one of them because they know it's the weaknesses that make them continual lifelong learners. 
and it's the strengths then that they bring to the team. Do you ever go into a culture, a company uh, situation where you're like, "Ooh, these people really have their guards up. Like it's very like old school. Yes. And then what do you do? It was a group of attorneys and there were 150 of them in one room. So I, I knew I had a, I had an inkling that it being attorneys, that it could be that they might have their guard up a little and they might think that customer experience wasn't something that would necessarily apply to them in their roles. So um, it was when I was with Disney at the time and I went and had a conversation with an attorney that worked for Disney and said, you're an attorney, help me. <laughs> Explain these other I people. Need, <laughs> I'm going to be meeting all of your people soon. <laughs> I need to understand how to talk with them. And what I find is you have to use whatever that thing is that you were given, whatever your gift is, you got to use that. So if your gift is that you're, um, you're very, very smart, use your intelligence as a way to get in. Mine was being funny. So I decided to come in and funny was going to work better for me than anything else. So I talked to an attorney and, and got every piece of information that I could from him about how to approach. And then I went into the conversation and disarmed them. And typically if you can do something disarming, whether it's something funny, whether it's something that's very, very intelligent, whether it's statistics that you have that they had no idea that you'd have, then they sort of go, Oh, wait a minute. And then, you know what, if you're going to train people, you better make it engaging, compelling, and fun. Because mm -hmm. if well, it's not those three things, who cares? Awesome. Is a trick know your audience? It is. Ah. It is. No, I mean, because so like you said, what disarms one audience isn't going to disarm another. Will not work. So how do, you, how do you find out, what, what does it take to disarm a group of attorneys? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure so it's did, tied to their fees and maybe yeah, you know, the lifetime value of the customer, <laughs> that kind of, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, these were also attorneys that were uh, global, and so they, none of them were American. So I was never going to be able to appeal to them, you know, American, like one American to yeah. another because they didn't have that. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I found that in addition to doing a ton of research on what their business was, how their business worked, I needed to know almost as much as they did about their company and what they and, and what they did on a daily basis. But then I had to bring who I was. So the, the other thing I would tell anybody who works in customer experience or anybody who's a trainer, don't try and be someone that you aren't. You have to be exactly who you are mm -hmm. because exactly who you are is going to be the reason that people attach to you. And know that when you walk into a room, whether it's three people or 150 people, not everyone's going to attach, and you need to be okay with that. Yeah, particularly, when, partic particularly when they're attorneys. Yeah, well, these guys were amazing. <laughs> uh, I also you never, you never know. <laughs> I made them do things that, that put them in an uncomfortable space. I made them engage in activities that they weren't yeah, comfortable yeah. doing. Um, I made them be a little silly. I made them be a little bit vulnerable in the course of the training. And, and by the end of it, they, they were having a blast. Oh, that's cool. Now, now somebody who's worked on both sides of this equation, um, for an organization, what are the pros and cons of hiring outside training resources versus, versus creating, <coughs> pardon me, creating and running the training internally? That's a really good question. Sometimes hiring outside is the most efficient. If you have to move fast, 
then hiring uh, a training company is probably a good idea because you may not have a team that's big enough to move that fast. So if you need to move really quick, if you, if you work in a smaller organization and you wouldn't have the opportunity to build a team, mm -hmm. then that's great. Hire somebody outside. But I would always have at least one person inside the organization that everything gets filtered through. Because the problem is, is then it becomes brand disconnect. You know, you don't want a training company to come in and say, this is the way we do it. And it's completely the antithesis of the brand of your company and how your company works. So you, you got to have a filter. Um, or if you have the wherewithal, hire an outside training company, but have someone in that company sit in your office. I mean, mm. right now we're not sitting in offices, but proverbially sit in your office so that they can really learn your culture. That's the key to training. Training has got to reflect the organizational culture. And if it in any way um, violates any cultural norms, then it won't be sticky. Mm -hmm at all and and people will ask a lot of questions they won't want to comply and they won't want to be committed to it because it, it won't fit it won't make sense um, I'm always an advocate of have a strong training team even if it's a small training team and then you need to bring in outside help because you need to move fast um, but companies and y'all both of you know this what is the first thing that goes during a downtime training yeah. Yeah. And yeah. who's the first yeah. person laid off? A trainer. And yeah, it's the it? person so, you're going to need the yeah. most yeah. as they start to turn around. Tra training and marketing. So let, let, let's, let's pull all of our money out of retention and, 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 and put it in operations. Yeah. Right. Yeah, People sounds. get scared. Yeah. They get scared because they just have to make money. But I think yeah. what sometimes organizations don't get is if you don't keep me trained, then you know what I'm going to do when I'm I get in front of a customer? I'm going to make it up. Yeah. Mm. And I'm I gonna, might not do it the way you want me to. Or I'm going to go to a company that will invest in yeah. its people. So you brought up this culture piece. You know, other than spending a day in the office, um, what, what kind of questions can you ask? What intentional observations can, can you make that help you to tune in to how an organization runs on a daily basis and what things are valued? Um, you can see it in, gosh, you can see it in emails. Um, anytime someone sends you an email, you can mm -hmm. hear it in communication, at, whether it's written communication, whether it's verbal communication. Um, I like, because I'm new to my company, I like to just go onto our um, portal site and read things because it's a great reflection um, of organizational culture. Anytime it, we've had this great, it's been a good timing because it's been end of year, start of year. So there's always communication that comes out end of year, start of year. There's been a lot of COVID related communication. There's been a lot of storm related communication. So read it and read everything that you can and, and watch and listen to people and the words they pick, the language they use. One of the things over the 25 years at Disney, and people still pick on me for this, is the, the word we. So it's, it's rare that it, I'm learning how to say the word I, because for 25 years mm. I said the word we. Mm. And people would ask me, do you have a mouse in your pocket? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I know, but it's uh, part of the culture. Yeah, yeah. Communication well, I, will tell you a lot. 
Mm-hmm. I, I like, um, I've heard this one a couple of, um, one is um, ask people or observe how they do meetings. And this is pre-COVID before everybody's mm-hmm. on Zoom, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. you know, meetings always start late or we, you know, how do you guys do meetings? Oh, they're always so long and boring or, oh, we never have meetings because we're always in action mm-hmm. or whatever the, those, mm-hmm. those are kind of good clues. What, what are meetings like? Yeah, and, we have uh, the best meetings. That's been one of my favorite things. We have the best meetings. Like I can't, if I did not work for this company, I'd still call y'all and tell you about these great meetings because they, they kick it off. They kind of say, this is what we're going to talk about. And then we talk about it and we get people's feedback and we hang up. It's, it's, it's productive. productive. (laughs) Yep. And the other one I've heard is um, to ask somebody to sort of react to this saying, like, this is how we do it around here just to sort of get a feel for mm-hmm. how people answer that kind of a question. But mm-hmm. I want to ask you one, uh, Austin. So all of this stuff, um, improving customer experience and training is, is about changing people's minds and their hearts. And sometimes it can be, training can be um, criticized as being like a sugar buzz that maybe doesn't stick. Like you talked about, you know, trying to be sticky. Mm-hmm. Um, in this age of distraction and ADD and short attention spans and everything, how do you really try to capture people's att- attention and imagination so that it really does stick? Good question. Um, what you can do is one, you as a person is if you're engaged in a training situation, your energy level on a scale of one to 10 better be about a 30. You, you better have more energy than anybody else in the room. And, and you've got to, you prepare for this. This is like preparing for a Super Bowl. This is like preparing for the Olympic games. Um, I stand in front of my 60 inch TV with my slides on and I rehearse because my in, I need to know my content so well, my energy level's got to be crazy high. But then I need to do things in bite-sized portions. So if you're going to give me, because now we're doing things remotely, and I think we're going to see a lot more of remote training, it better be bite-sized pieces. Little pieces, stop and allow everyone else to talk. Mm. Another little piece, stop, allow everyone else to talk. Mm. And then when that training event is over, you are not finished. If you can then follow that up in another five days with an electronic version of training, follow it up in another five days with an electronic quiz, you know, anytime I have a training coming up that it's so sophisticated that there's going to be five trainings. So in person once and then four other ones that will be electronic because the, what you don't want to happen is Someone gets through the training, they start to perform, they don't get to perform it, say, 21 times, so it becomes a habit, and then they forget. So if I can supplement it every five to 10 days with another piece, and then another piece, and then Mm -hmm. another piece, Mm -hmm. for at least three to five times, Mm -hmm. then I know I'm cementing it in. And and that's really the the key. You, You want it to be second nature to somebody. You want them to no longer need the script, so to speak. Well, yeah, you, I know. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, you bring up a good point too. Is providing the opportunity for for people to interact, not not just with the trainer, but with each other too, right? Mm-hmm. To process, interact, relate it to what they're doing. Um, the opportunity for collaboration. Absolutely, I, I love on in virtual training and tell them keep your chat function open, keep it open. 
And when you, yeah. when you have something funny to say, when you yeah. have a question, yeah. when you have, throw it out there. Yeah. And, and I got to watch, um, I got to watch people, employees, the first person that threw something funny out and then someone reacted and someone oh, reacted oh, and someone reacted. Oh, and then we could sort of stop time and say, oh. hey, let's go to the chat. And let's talk <laughs> yeah, this about is the more chat. interesting. What's going on in the chat? <laughs> you know, it's more interesting. What's going on here? Yeah. Oh, we talked cool. about the chat for a few minutes yeah. and then we're all giggling and having fun yeah, and then we get yeah. back into it. Yeah. Well, so, I'm sure um, it's, um, I'm sure it's really refreshing for them to know that doesn't always have, you know, training doesn't always have to be so structured. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Do you, do you ever, um, like in, in terms of trying to make things stick, um, do you ever pull aside a, a leader or the CEO or something and say, Hey, you know, we want to see you demonstrate these behaviors that we're training right now. Like, so maybe in 10 days, like do something or put out a video or do something where people hear about it or that kind of thing. Do you ever coach sort of that way? Yeah. We've done that many times. Uh, I worked with a, a dealer group and automotive out in California um, for a couple of years. We worked together and, and uh, pulled the CEO aside and said, now that you have this whole framework in place, for how you're going to provide excellent customer service. Now, what are you going to do? So he, you know, he's a smart guy. So he says, okay, I'm going to put messages out there um, all through email. Some of them had videos and some didn't, mm -hmm. but he said, is it wrong of me to sit all day on a Sunday and craft like three weeks worth of messages and then time them to go out? And I said, no, why would you think that would be wrong? And he said, well, I'm not doing it in the moment. I said, you're not doing it in the moment, but you travel a lot. You're very, yeah. very busy. You're in a ton of meetings. You're putting the thought into it. You're including pictures of things that are happening in your dealerships. You know, great stories. You're telling stories. And, and as long as you're doing it and they're getting sent out and then what was happening is this great, like a boulder going downhill, he'd send it out to his leaders his leaders would then send it out to all their employees at their dealership. They'd start talking about it. And now you have this communication going from the very top all through the organization. Mm. So yeah, I think it's, it's key and, and it's key that leaders be the ones that are role modeling this. If yep. leaders are not role modeling it, then why are you even trying to make a dent in your customer experience? And, and, and I've heard leaders say, Time and time again, it always makes me so aggravated to hear a leader say, oh, that's what they do. Oh, man. I mean, it start, starts at the top. Absolutely. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, when you have a vision for an organization, everybody needs to be working towards that, and leaders need to be serving the example. So, Absolutely. But so many yeah, of them feel well, like that's not my job anymore. Used yeah. to be. Well, and I think the other, you know, the other thing that, propagates this is a compartmentalization of different functions. You know, for so many organizations, um, employee satisfaction is an HR responsibility, not a management and leadership responsibility. Um, um, gathering and understanding and disseminating customer-driven data is a marketing function or a IS function or whatever function. Um, and that's why, it, you know, or or anything customer related is just a CXO function. And that, that's why it's so critical to have, you know, an effective CXM governance structure with representation across the organization and that everyone in the organization understands their role in the process, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible to me how little we talk about the role of leadership and its importance in everything that we do. Um, and, and they're the key. And you know, it's interesting. It's a little like, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Spider-Man, but, you know, Peter Parker's uncle said to him, with great power comes great responsibility. And, and I would tell every mm -hmm. leader I ever interacted with, that should be the mantra for your life. With oh, great yeah. power comes great responsibility. Yep. And you have the power to change someone's life, to change their destiny in mm -hmm. how you lead. And I think leaders in many organizations have become managers mm -hmm. and they're just pushing process from point A to point B rather than going up 20,000 more feet, yep. really sort of guiding things. Well, don't you think a lot of that too is a fault of the organization and the, the emphasis or de-emphasis that they put on leadership development and leadership I skills? I, I have to be honest, I don't think I've ever worked in an organization that puts a value on that. Instead, they think it's innate. You know, it's just like customer, it's just like your frontline employees. You can't just hire them for their attitude towards people and hope it all works out, right? I mean, Disney's a great <laughs> example of this. Hey, we've got standards, we've got processes, we've got practices, we have expectations for behavior. How come we're not doing that for the leadership of organizations? You know, and not and, many and organizations are doing that anymore. No, they're not. Leadership yeah. development programs have really gone by the wayside, oh, and consultants yes. come in and and try and you know sort of bridge the gap, but. The, the other thing is just because someone was a great employee does not mean they would oh, be great. No, not at all. Oh, no. And sometimes very... they don't even want to be. Well, and I think everybody needs to be assessed and counseled in that transition. You know, it can't just leave it to chance. Um, being an effective leader, that's, that's tough. It is, and it's something that needs constant development and coaching. It does. It does. Well, Austin, this has been amazing. Um, I'm afraid our time to, has come to a close. I think we need to have a follow-up session just on leadership development. Let's that do that. Would be it. Let's do that. Very um, interesting. So thanks, Austin, and thank, thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.